Hello everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast where once a week I sit down and I talk about all things true crime, ranging from murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history, all things true crime. So if you're interested in any of that, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel every Wednesday for the visual version or you could head over to Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts every Tuesday for the audio version. Now for today's case, we're going to be talking about the case of Maribel Ramos. Now there is a lot to get through, so we're just going to hop right into it. Maribel Ramos was born in November of 1976, and when she was born, she was actually born in Mexico, and her and her family immigrated to Orange County, California when she was a baby. From a young age, Maribel was actually a tomboy as a young kid, and she was very, very beautiful, so a lot of the boys at her school had crushes on her. She was said to have a very maternal nature and that was because she was the oldest of four children and she would often take care of her younger siblings while her single mom worked two jobs just to provide. Because of this, Maribel knew at a very young age that she needed to grow up and be successful in whatever she did and she wanted nothing more in this world than to just help her mom and help her family out of their financial struggles and be able to just provide for them so that her mom would have more time with herself and her kids. Maribel's plan was to actually go to the police academy and become a police officer. So then after high school, she didn't go straight into the police academy and instead became a security guard at a local grocery store. Later on after that, she decided to join the army in August of 2001 at the age of 25 years old. Two years after joining the army in 2003, the U.S. forces invaded Iraq and tried to disarm Iraq weapons and mass destruction to end the president at the time, who was named Saddam Hussein, and free Iraqi people. During the war, Maribel was actually deployed out and saw a fair amount of combat and built her rank up pretty quickly to sergeant. After the war, she continued to enlist in the army every year and stayed for eight years and was even deployed to Afghanistan. Until 2009, at the age of 33, she wanted to move on. She wanted to get out of the army and start to live a life for herself. And so then she left the army and enrolled in California State University in Fullerton, where she majored in criminal justice. Maribel, however, during this time was unfortunately struggling with a lot of PTSD from seeing the worst of the worst during war, but she did have school to keep her distracted from all of that. So she could completely threw herself into her schooling and really, really dedicated herself. And in 2012, her third year, she decided that the dorm tuition was just getting way too expensive and decided to get a two-bedroom apartment off campus. Maribel at the time actually did have a job. She worked on campus at her college at California State University in Fullerton, but she knew that she couldn't move on her own. So that's when she went on Craigslist to find a roommate. And on Craigslist is where Maribel would meet 53-year-old Kwong Choi, aka Casey. 
Casey Joy moved to Tennessee when he was a baby from China and then moved to California for a great job offer in chemistry. And it's unsure if Maribel put the ad up or Casey put the ad up, but they did indeed find each other on there and they got a two-bedroom apartment together. Casey was described by others as very shy, awkward, he didn't really have many friends and didn't go out much and Maribel noticed this and Maribel being Maribel, you know, she was a very sweet and kind girl and she wanted to invite him out more, you know, she didn't really care if he was older, he was in his early 50s, she thought, you know, he deserved to go out and have a little bit of fun. So she would bring him out to parties or go to dinner with her friends, going to drinks to hopefully bring him out of his comfort zone and so that maybe he can find a wife or something of his own. In May of 2013, one year later, that is when Maribel's life really started to look good for her. She was just finishing up her final year at college, so she was about to get her degree in criminal justice and get a really good paying job, especially with being in the army for eight years. At the time, she didn't have a relationship, but she was having fun and dating around. She was on a couple of dating apps such as Plenty of Fish. She had a really good job and she also had really good internships lined up for her post-graduation. So it seemed like Maribel's life, even though she had accomplished so much in her life, it seemed like her life was still just getting started. Maribel and Casey were close, but they were close to an extent. It was more of a wholesome brother-sister friendship, nothing romantic or at least not on Maribel's end. On May 3rd of 2013, Maribel's sister got a text from Casey saying that Maribel never came home the night before. Casey was known to be very protective of Maribel and looked after her like he would a little sister and Casey told Maribel's sister that he had already called the cops. He said the last time he saw Maribel was the day before in the morning before he went to work and then he came home and she wasn't there. He thought that maybe she was just staying out until the next morning he realized that she still wasn't home. So he tried calling her and texting her but there was no response. The family assumed that Maribel lost her phone or was in some situation, but they knew that Maribel was a warrior. As I said, she had been in the army for eight years. She knows how to take care of herself. And so then they didn't really think of it too much until later on that night, Maribel was actually a part of a softball team. And that night she had a softball game, which she never showed up to. And this is when the family really, really grew concerned and they decided to call the police as well. A missing persons report was made and the next day missing persons posters began being displayed and search teams went out. But they assumed that something happened because although Maribel was gone, her car was still parked at her and Casey's apartment. Now this is odd because when they searched the apartment, Maribel's phone and keys were missing, but her other important items like her purse and her wallet with all her money, her two toothbrush were still all there. It didn't seem like she ran away, so they kind of just assumed the worst. Friends, families, and even California State and Fullerton helped in the search for Maribel, and they unfortunately found no sign of Maribel anywhere. They looked at security cameras on streets near the home, doorbell cameras, witnesses, and there was still just nothing. It seemed as if Maribel had just vanished. All police 
had was one clip of security footage that was taken on May 2nd of the apartment building that that Maribel and Casey had lived in. On the security footage, Maribel had walked to the manager's office with a envelope in her hand and she went to the door and slipped the envelope through the bottom of the door and this was later confirmed to be her rent money. This footage was taken at 8.20 p.m. on May 2nd and after that, no one had seen Maribel. Now, seeing this security footage was very shocking for police because on the day... Because if you remember from earlier, Casey had told the police that Maribel had never come home from work the night of May 2nd, and then when he woke up the next morning and realized that she still wasn't there, that's when he contacted the police, Maribel's sister. But this footage reveals that Maribel was indeed home the night of May 2nd, which basically proved that Casey was lying on his story. But why would Casey lie about the last time he saw Maribel? Maribel if he didn't have anything to do with the case of Maribel. And on the security footage, it doesn't seem like Maribel is in a type of outfit where she would be going out or something. She's simply just wearing pajamas, so why would she need to bring her phone and her keys just to, you know, bring her rent money? So once they found a slip up in Casey's story, that's when the police really started to take a second look at this quote-unquote missing persons case. This is when the police started to search for the killer, assuming that this is a homicide, although they haven't found the body yet. Police first interviewed Maribel's boyfriend, Paul Lopez. Now, the whole reason why police believed that Paul Lopez was Maribel's boyfriend was because Casey had actually told police that that Paul was Maribel's boyfriend, but when they spoke to Paul, Paul told police that he actually wasn't her boyfriend. He said that they had been talking on and off, but it was nothing exclusive, and he was seeing other girls, and she was seeing other guys. Paul was eventually ruled out because he was a truck driver and on the GPS tracker of the company truck he had, they saw that Paul was on a route that was nowhere near Maribel on May 2nd. Maribel wasn't exclusive with Paul or she wasn't exclusive with anyone specific. She tended to date around, you know, she was in her early 30s and she had been in the army for so long, so she was really starting to dabble in a love life a little bit and just have a little bit of fun. So as I said, she was also on dating apps during the time like Plenty of Fish and in fact Maribel actually had a date two days later on May 5th with a military photographer that she met on a dating app. Police don't have Maribel's phone but they are able to get into contact with her phone provider in hopes of looking at call logs or maybe a ping location of where the phone is. But all that police find is, is that over a week prior to her missing, she had called the police. The police then dug up the 911 call that was made on their end, and in the call, she, in the beginning of the call, asks, are we recording? And the dispatcher says, yes, we are, you know, recording this call. And all Maribel says is that she wants it to be on record that she's making this call because she was afraid of someone, specifically her roommate. Kwong Choi. She then she then says that she wants it to be on record and whatever happens, just know that it was out of self-defense. 
And in the call, she seemed to be very scared without going into specifics, but it seemed like Casey, specifically Casey, was going to do something terrible to her and she was scared for her life. Casey and Maribel, as I said, were close, but in a brother-sister sort of way. And Casey also met and was close with Maribel's family. But when the police tried to get Casey into the station on the night of May 3rd, when he had reported her missing, he was weirdly nowhere to be found. Eventually, the next day on May 4th, they got a hold of Casey and brought him in for questioning, to which they asked him, where were you yesterday? And Casey said that he was actually outside his house with binoculars and a notebook, basically doing his own surveillance. Casey also goes on to say that he did see the police show up at his house the day before, but didn't get out of the car, which is a little odd because why wouldn't you get out the car if you see a bunch of officers going to your front door? So during this interrogation, it's basically just all normal Chad just trying to figure out what he was doing the night Maribel went missing when at one point, one of the officers points out on Casey's arm that he has scratches all over his arm. When Casey realizes this, you can tell that Casey sort of went into a little bit of a panic because then after this, he goes on to tell a 15-minute story about how him and Maribel were walking in this nearby forest preserve one day with a pond and they saw a dog that was a little too close to the pond and it ended up falling into the water and couldn't get out. So being the saint that Casey is, he jumps into the pond and saves the dog from drowning, but in the process, he was cutting himself with all of these fishing lines that were on the ground. Now, throughout this story, it is clearly fake because he continuously stutters and he backtracks and he makes up things that don't add up to what he said earlier. They also played Casey the call that Maribel put in, and once he heard that, this kind of drove him into a panic and started to lie a little bit more before eventually half confessing to what actually happened that night on May 2nd. The night of May 2nd, when Maribel was last seen on the security footage, him and Maribel that night were actually fighting about rent money. Apparently, Casey recently had just lost his job and was struggling to find a new one, so he asked Maribel to cover his portion of the rent and he would pay her back as soon as he found a new job. Well, Maribel ended up covering his part of rent for an entire two months before Maribel actually found out that Casey had gotten age-reversing surgery that costed him $12,000. So what it seemed to Maribel is that Casey lost his job and then he spent all of his savings, instead of spending it on rent, he spent it on a $12,000 age-reversing surgery and then asked Maribel to cover his portion of the rent because he knew that he wasn't going to have a lot of money after the procedure or since he didn't have a job and Maribel didn't know how much money was in his savings account, he just decided to pretend that he didn't have money when in reality he did. Now, when Maribel was made aware of this information, obviously she was furious because rent isn't cheap, especially when you're paying it by yourself and Maribel literally needed a roommate because she couldn't afford it by herself. And at the time, she worked a part-time job at the college, not making much money. And she also went to school on top of it. She was paying for all of her book fees and her tuition fees. Maribel really, really did 
not have this money to be spending on rent, but she did it because she cared about Casey, but apparently Casey didn't really care much about her. So the night of May 2nd, Maribel had confronted Casey about this and told him to either pay his part of the rent plus the two others that he missed, or he can leave. Casey ended up getting furious because Casey actually had a little crush on Maribel, if it wasn't obvious. He used to tell people that they were dating on all of his social medias. His profile pictures were of him and Maribel. Maribel's sister would actually come out later on and said that Casey even called Maribel's sister to tell her sister that I'm in love with Maribel. Like, I'm in love with your sister and I don't know how to tell her. So her sister tries to let down Casey slowly and say, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, you're a really nice guy. You're amazing. And you're gonna find someone who loves you back. But I just don't think that's gonna be Maribel. But as for Maribel, she did not see him like that at all. She kind of just saw him as a fun friend or an older and wiser figure. It was nothing romantic at all. Casey then said that he felt betrayed by Maribel and that she only viewed him as a roommate instead of a boyfriend and felt offended by this, which is extremely creepy in my opinion because let us not forget, this man is still 54 years old and Maribel is 36 years old. That's almost 20 years in age difference. Casey also said that this night during their argument, Maribel and Casey had been drinking that night, so he ended up saying some things that he shouldn't have and then that's when Maribel had stomped out of and went downstairs to pay her part of the rent while Casey shut and locked his door and just went to sleep. The next morning when he didn't see Maribel, he felt extremely nervous and since they had just gotten into that terrible fight, he was very concerned about where she was and so that's when he called the police and then decided to call her sister. Although this story sounds a lot better than the other one he was giving police, it still did not match up with anything that he was talking about. He kept on going on random rants that had nothing to do with the story he gave and still there's so many unanswered questions like why would Maribel have her keys but her car is still parked in the driveway? Why is Maribel seen on security footage when Casey in his first statement said that he never saw her? And so the police try to get more info out of him because they just don't believe that he went to sleep right afterwards and believe that something else happened happened afterwards when Maribel got back, but at this point Casey insists on leaving and says that if he's not being arrested, then he has no point in being here. And since the police had very low evidence to convict and and since the police had very low evidence to convict Casey, and on top of that, they had no body, she was simply just missing. So after this, Casey was let go. So then on May 8th, two days after the interrogation and six days after Maribel going missing, a friend of Maribel's, Emily, posted to Yelp in order to find Maribel. This friend was posting on multiple restaurants and bars in Orange County and the places that Maribel went to often to see if anyone had seen her. She had posted a Yelp review at the Diamond Bar in California that read, quote, My friend Maribel Ramos has been missing since Thursday, May 2nd. She was last seen at her apartment in Orange County, California. Please help her family, friends, and I to find her. If you have any information as to her whereabouts, please call Detective Ramirez or Orange Police Watch Commander. Please share this link with your friends and family. We need to get all the help we can get. 
and you'll never expect it but if you scroll past all of the people giving their condolences to Emily you find a comment from Casey. Casey had a Yelp account by the name of Casey and his picture was actually of him and Maribel to insinuate that they were possibly dating, but he started his Yelp account back in 2011 and it was currently 2013 when he was commenting on this, so he didn't just make the account to comment on this. I thought I should state that real quick before like continuing on to what he said. Now, the reason he commented, it was actually in response to someone that had said, quote, have they talked to the roommate yet? And someone had commented back saying, quote, yes, they spoke to the roommate. He willingly cooperated with the cops by giving them DNA samples and even allowed them to take naked photos of him. He gave up his cell phone to them so he couldn't contact anyone, which he was all more than happy to do. And so to this, Casey had responded and said, quote, I am Maribel's roommate. She is my BFF and only family. She is absolutely the best woman I've ever met. We had so much fun together. I miss her so much. She always knew that I would give my life for her without any hesitation. Police forensic teams searched this two-bedroom apartment five times with a police dog. They confiscated computer, hard drive, cell phone, car, and took several items. They contacted everyone on my phone list, and I don't know when I will get my my properties back. These are major inconveniences, but this all doesn't matter. I miss Maribel. That really makes me depressed and stressed out big time. Now, all the commenters after that were giving Casey sympathy, saying like, oh, it's okay. I hope she's found completely healthy and fine and hang in there, have hope, they'll find her. But there was one particular commenter that kind of made a good point, And they said, quote, Am I the only one finding it odd that Casey's roommate posted here and used past tense to refer Maribel? Quote unquote, we had, and quote unquote, she already knew, as opposed to we have or she knows. And why would she ask him to move out if they were having so much fun together? My prayers are with the family and friends. This is very sad. And so to this, it is very suspicious as to why Casey would be using past tense. And if you were a police officer or a detective, this would be very, very concerning wording. But to this, everyone stood up for Casey and they said, hey, don't, don't pick out what he's saying. He's going through a rough time. So he probably just isn't thinking clearly right now. And one commenter that stood up for Casey even said, quote, did you create an account just to post that? I don't know Maribel or her roommate personally, but why don't we just let the police do their job and not speculate on who's responsible for her disappearance until they at least have a suspect? Perhaps the roommate is using past tense simply because he hasn't seen her in a while and fears the worst. We will all find out what happened in due time. Until then, we should be focusing on Maribel and not turning this into a witch hunt. And so to this, Casey responds and said, quote, Thank you for correcting my grammar. That is my second language and I still need help with that from time to time. Yes, Maribel and I are best friends. She is my family. This is big and it puts so much depression and stress on my life. 
Police came to my house for the fifth time last night with a big bloodhound. Please do not speculate or make judgment on me. This has already been done by others, and I know that everyone is looking at me that way. Honestly, I would not hesitate a second to give my life for Maribel. And then he responds to another commenter that asked why does he have him and Maribel's picture as his profile to kind of insinuate that they're dating, and he responds to this saying, quote, Yes, I love Maribel as a friend and as a roommate. This is how we say at night to each other. We say, good night, Maribel, Maya, Meatson, mom, and dad. My profile photo. I did it because I miss her. That is one from the night we went out. I don't see anything wrong with that, putting a photo with your friend and or one you love. And then someone comments saying, quote, Casey, I saw you at the visual. And what she's referring to is that they had a candle visual for Maribel's disappearance. And this person said, quote, why did you sit so far away at a distance? Why are you uncomfortable? And Casey replies to this saying, quote, one of Maribel's family members asked me why I was there. Also, a verbal threat when I was there. I was uncomfortable that the police are assuming or insinuating that I am a suspect. Police and family are assuming that. I understand that we are all concerned about her, especially I am more than anyone else. Yes, she is my only family and I will give my life for her. Is that love? People can assume all that they want and express their opinions. And so that is the last thing that's posted on this thread. And about two days later, when no one is really talking about Casey anymore, everyone is kind of talking about Maribel and her whereabouts, randomly Casey just chimes into the Yelp conversation and talks about his insurance policy and he basically just says not replying to anyone he says quote I said Maribel is my only family and best friend she is my only beneficiary for $250,000 life insurance and my only beneficiary for my bank account paid upon death she knows this. I miss her every second I am awake. So that is a little odd and someone actually calls Casey out on this odd behavior and says, quote, this is not an accusal, just a personal observation. My condolences firsthand. Casey, you need to be more careful about the kind of content you are posting and when you are posting it and the audience that you are dealing with. In this case, it would be very personal information posted on the internet to complete strangers who do not readily know the entirety of the story and have no obligation to come to your defense. I hate to point this out, but the stuff you write makes you susceptible to doubt. I don't see a reason for you posting up information about life insurance and bank account beneficiaries quote-unquote, paid upon death, quote-unquote, she knows this, etc. Statements of, quote-unquote, only family and love for a roommate? You may be outraged that I am pointing this out, but I'm showing you what an uninvolved third party may think of your statements and process of posting. Rant at me if you wish. I understand the need and desire to defend your reputation as well as your concern for your missing roommate. Just be more careful about who and how you are asking help. And all he replies to this is, quote, 
Thanks for the good advice. I just can't think straight these days. Police at this point had spoken to every suspect that they had. They had spoken to every ex-boyfriend, every person that supposedly didn't like Maribel, and all of them were ruled out with good alibis. So it kind of all pointed to Casey at this point. But it was hard to convict Casey because they had nothing on him, had no information on his phone, his computer, his laptop. Police searched his home five times and still found nothing. No blood, no odd dents or scratches on the wall. And for a moment, they started to think, what if Casey was actually innocent? But there was just way too many things that didn't add up, such as how is Maribel's phone and keys missing, but her car was still there? If Maribel was just paying rent, why would she bring her phone and keys? Why was Maribel trying to kick him out of the house and then the next day she just comes up vanished? Why was Casey just staking out in front of the house the day that Maribel went missing with binoculars and a notebook instead of going to police and trying to help aid in the investigation. What they decided to do was they decided to start watching Casey and figure out where he goes, his normal routine, and they found that Casey actually goes to the public library a lot, more specifically using the public library computers. So one day an undercover cop went in and sat right behind where Casey was sitting at the computer and was just kind of looking over Casey's shoulder to see what he was doing and the officer actually saw Casey type into Google quote can a cell phone be traced if it's turned off after this police knew that they had a lead so they got a warrant to track Casey's computer and watch in real time what he was doing from the computer in a van outside the next time Casey went to the library that is when they started at first, Casey on the computer was just doing normal things. He was checking his email, applying for jobs, and then randomly, Casey types in a very specific address, which is 8548 Peters Canyon Trail in California. And this trail seems to be in the middle of nowhere by the single road, and Casey randomly starts zooming in on a very specific part of the woods and just kind of sits there and stares at it and he stares at it from like a bird's eye view and then he goes to like the google satellite option so he could see it in real life and this is when the police started to get a very very bad feeling about this and so the police decided to go to the area that casey was zooming in on unfortunately when the police went to that specific patch that casey was zooming in on that is when they found the dead body of 36-year-old Maribel Ramos. Casey that day was arrested for murder, and when he was found, Casey was actually found wearing Maribel's dog tags that she had gotten from the army. As far as Casey's trial, it began in 2014, and Casey pled not guilty. Maribel's cause of death couldn't be determined, unfortunately, because the body of Maribel had actually been sitting there since May 2nd, and now it was May 10th when they found her body. So at this point, her body had been badly decomposing for the past eight days, and animals had gone into a lot of her body. Although there wasn't much physical evidence to go off of, Casey was the only person with real motive to kill Maribel and had no story that made sense to 
combat that. In a lot of murder cases, it's very, very common for the murderer to either return to their crime or look things up about them or the crime. A really big example of all of this is if you guys have ever seen the um, Netflix documentary, Don't F With Cats, the main killer in that movie is Luca Magnata. And if you guys don't know how Luca Magnata was found for his murders, Basically, he was on the run for the longest time and the police ended up finding him at a um, local internet cafe and when they found him, they found him researching things about himself and about the murders and everything that was going on about him. And that's because a lot of murderers tend to be very narcissistic and they care a lot about what people say about them. And so Casey was probably very narcissistic and wanted to see what people were saying about him online and that's why he was replying to all the Yelp reviews and then when a couple days go by on the thread and no one's talking about him anymore he randomly pops in with beneficiary info to basically defend his case against no one if anything people were defending him and also since he didn't want to actually return to the scene of the crime because the scene of the crime was kind of off a pretty busy one street instead he just decided to look up the location on Google maps in hopes to relive everything that happened that night. And Casey's defense to this, because the court was obviously, okay, you're pleading not guilty. If you didn't do this, then why did you go online, go to the specific address where Maribel's body was at, zoom in on the exact location of where she was, how is that all just a coincidence? How did you not know? And Casey's defense to this was that actually a hacker had hacked into the local computer at the same exact time that the police had been looking at the computer that he was using. He said that it was possibly the murderer trying to set him up and hacked into his computer and made the police think that he was looking at the address when in reality he wasn't. Now this is just an outrageous story. It makes no sense and so the court did not believe it at all and in the end it was just sort of believed that Casey had a very scary crush on Maribel and when Maribel didn't feel the same way he got angry and killed her because of it. He even said in his interview that he felt betrayed that Maribel only viewed him as a roommate and not as a boyfriend. The court ended up finding Casey guilty and convicted him of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years to life with no possibility of parole. As far as the aftermath of everything, Casey still to this day pleads innocent. He actually had a chance to make a statement to the family and all he said was, quote, her family wants me to apologize, which I can't apologize for something I haven't done. I miss Maribel more than anyone. I think about it. I've been in here for 440 days in the cell. I think about her almost every day. Maybe someday the truth will come out. Maybe I'll just die inside of this prison. Even after he had been convicted, he had written dozens of letters to the judge declaring his innocence and basically begging the judge to have mercy on him and 
let him free from prison. He even wrote a letter to the ABC7 Eyewitness News, who was covering the story at the time, saying that he's innocent and he needs the news station's help to get him out of prison. To this day, he still sits in prison and still denies anything to do with her death and preaches innocence. But as I said, since he only got 15 years to life, there is a possibility of him being let out in the year 2029. Also, as part of the aftermath, as I said, Maribel was a part of a softball team where she did weekly games, and after everything came out about her story and her body was found, the team actually came together to hold a charity game to help the family with all of the funeral costs. But yeah, that is the end of today's case. If you guys enjoyed today's case and found it interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts. Make sure to give it five stars because that really helps me out a lot. I would love to hear what you guys think about the case in the comments below. Do you think that Casey deserves life in prison or do you think 15 years to life made sense? Do you believe that Casey is actually innocent and the killer is actually out there or do you just believe Casey is a terrible liar? In my personal opinion, I do not think Casey should be let out in 15 years. I think he definitely, definitely deserves life. Just so obvious that Casey had committed this crime and I think it's so disrespectful that he doesn't even give the family closure from all of this and on top of that, he refuses to apologize to the family for everything that he's done because he supposedly hasn't done anything anything. But I would love to hear what you guys think about the case in the comments below. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure to go outside today, get some fresh air, be safe out there, and as always, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!